All right. Welcome back to Become a Calm Mama. I'm your host. I'm Darlene Childress. I am a life and parenting coach. And today we are really lucky. I have invited TJ Matan on today. She's a social worker, a psychotherapist, a coach, and an educator. And um, TJ, you on your bio, you say you focus on helping adults learn to liberate their mind and bodies through play. I love that so much. Yeah. Um, So tell us a little bit about your business and how you help adults learn to tap into their play. Yeah. So history-wise, I have been a psychotherapist for 10 years, and I focus a lot pretty much exclusively on developmental attachment trauma and maternal mental health. And so that was kind of my background. And a couple of years into my practice, I fell in love with working with moms of toddlers because um, it was almost like the second wave of postpartum was hitting a lot of my clients that I wasn't hearing about in research and in the education around postpartum mental health care. And the thing I really loved about working with them and what I saw as a pattern was how much the like expressive nature of toddlerhood um, created a waves, new waves of postpartum anxiety and depression. Um, and I sort of like took this deep dive into like, what is play? Like, what is it that holds certain adults back from engaging in this period of time with their kids? Mm-hmm. And so I've ended up kind of, I didn't know it at the time, but now 10 years later, I specialize in helping adults re-engage the play drive. And this is so, and I, I love my work so much. Um, and every time I talk about it, it is very quickly people orient the word play towards children, right? Or they think that we're going to play with our kids. But my goal is to help adults actually understand and re-engage their individual play drive that exists in our every human and mammal bio, like biological system. I love it. I love it so much. And I think it's so true. And my goal in this podcast, it's called Become a Calm Mama. Yeah. And it really is tapping into our own nervous system, our own regulation, Mm -hmm. our own well-being. And a a factor in that is is fun, is joy, is playfulness and lightness. And I think that what you're offering is so beautiful because it does get stuck. You know, we do get stuck in the adulting as we think, Mm -hmm. we think of play as like something for childhood or something for children only. And then Mm -hmm. we're like, have to be heavy in adult world and, you know, figure out how to write, you know, balance our budgets and whatever, (laughs) get kids to get in the car. And I think what I want people to understand that play is not something we have to like go out and do. It's like Mm -hmm. an orientation that we can take to like in our adulting world and play is is a it's it's a homeostatically regulated state similar to hunger and thirst that if we deny it our bodies will like push forward the energy and one of the things i have explored a lot is like how mom rage is related to like deprived play states because in some ways when, and I'm curious, kind of, you know, I don't know if we want to chat about this here, but like for me, when I experienced like yelling and screaming and rage in my body, it helped me feel more powerful. 
Um, it helped me feel more in control. Um, it helped me feel kind of embodied again, mm -hmm. right? And these are things you get from play are feeling powerful, embodied, in control, um, back in that driver's seat feel, mm -hmm. um, capable, right? Yeah. Yep. Those, the hard part about mom rage is like, it often like ends up with like a wave of like that shame and embarrassment. But yes. for me, when I was struggling with my own, like kind of like ragey tendencies, I, the greatest intervention for me was learning about kinetic and competitive play because it tapping more into my kinetic and competitive needs actually released so much of that withheld energy in my body mm. and helped me shift and has helped a lot of my clients shift out of that activated state in yeah. much more like organic ways and learning every day how to like kind of micro express out like that kinetic energy that is there in rage. Yeah. I love it because you're exactly right that it's like, sometimes we talk about em emotion is energy in motion and yeah. that yeah. I talk about yelling and rage as a stress response, right? It's yeah. like a, a way to release some of that charged energy and yeah. that if we have other tools to manage our stress and our stress response, we may not, we won't be as activated in that way. Or if we feel activated towards our kids and their misbehavior or just the overwhelm of life that we don't have to result to the same strategies that yeah. of, of rage and things like that. Yeah. Before we get into the different types of play, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this like developmental attachment trauma, I think you called it. Yeah. And like, talk about if you could, how we get de detached as, as adults, how, how we get detached from our need for play or how does that, what happens there? Yeah. And then definitely. how does that show up, you know, for yeah. us? So play is inherently a pretty vulnerable state because it requires us to kind of abandon power dynamics or power hierarchy, right? Like I can't go play basketball with LeBron James. Like that's not a solid play buddy dynamic. He could play on his knees. We could set up new rules to equal the playing field. But in order for it to be playful, we have to change the power dynamics so that we can play together, right? And so one of the things that's really vulnerable about play is there is inherently a powerlessness in it. There's mm -hmm. an abandoning of I'm in control, right? If we go back to even kind of primary kid style play like at some point when we build a tower it will fall like the point of play is to test the limits it is risk taking it's contingency testing and so play is inherently vulnerable because we are going to fail pretty much every time like that is the point of like of play and so play can get interrupted by a ton of different things and one is how adults in our lives model this, like model response to failure, right? Like, oh my, you know, wow, you, you worked so hard on that tower. Like you got it so tall. Like, I wonder how tall you'll get it next time. Like that builds kind of that resiliency, like, oh, cool. Like I didn't do anything wrong. I get to try again. Right. 
we also have adults who are like, that's really loud. Could you keep it down? Right. And then it's like, how do you quietly crash a tower? Right. So you have to abandon your play and find a different type of play that is okay for somebody else. Right. Um, and that and does so happen. Like there are oh, tons. times where, I mean, it's, it's not always like some of the moms are listening here and like, well, wait, no, like sometimes they're legit too loud, like, oh, yeah. or, or the time and place or whatever it is. Yeah. So yes, we have to have boundaries, but what you're encouraging us all is to really think about like, how do we see the value of what they're doing and like, see the beauty of the play itself and can set a boundary while still encouraging it within, like you can play within this limit or whatever it is, but instead of shutting it down, don't do that. That's too loud. That's yeah. not from the lens that I teach. It's like, that's not from the co compassionate lens totally. or the connected lens of like, what's driving this behavior. It's the need for play, the need for fun, the need for attachment, things like that. And, and more importantly, I want adults to think about like, what was the what was their learned response to play? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So less like less than this kind of like hypervigilance about like, how am I responding to play in my kids right now? But what is my lived experience of people receiving my play? Mm -hmm. Right? How often was I told I'm too loud? How often was I told that my play was too big? How, how often was I told I was a like chaotic or too messy? Right? And then gender wise, the majority of girls lose play between the ages of eight and 11. And this is because we shift culturally into caring more about, we, we build new types of social connections to our peers and peer relationships start to prioritize family relationships that we're, we start to externalize out of the family system. So we have statistics like 70% of girls drop out of sports between the ages of seven and 11. Um, and this is also a time where kind of behavioral expectations to being well-behaved, kind, mannered, start to helpful, like, yes, yes like helpful. Fo so focused on others. Yeah. Yes. That this is a time that we girls start to get encouraged out of self-connection mm -hmm. and prioritizing the other. And so culturally, almost every woman has an experience of culturally being pushed out of play because it is part of our social dynamics. And then individually, we each have an individual experience of what play was like in our own family systems, our own like kind of micro culture in a way. And these are things that then interrupt how playful we are as an adult yeah. and playful being not and I think when I say playful, automatically think about like silly and um, humorous, but play is, play can be that, but that's not actually a quality of play. Um, play is about being like interested, engaged, curious, connected, and it can be physically, intellectually, in our imagination. It's not we think about play very easily in this extroverted personality state, but I'm actually like a very introverted player. Like a lot of my play happens in like, in my internal, like exploratory system. Um, I'm not somebody who's going to get on stage and tell jokes. I'm not the center of the part, like the joker at the party. 
Yeah. I, I have said this for years. I've not really connected it to what you're saying, but I, I talk about my brain as a playground Mm -hmm. and, um, one of my favorite places to hang out is in my brain. Yeah. And it's like, it brings me tons of joy and it's really playful and it's very creative. And there, I have so many, um, workbooks that I've created over the years. Like mm-hmm. it's, it is just pure play for me. It's fun. Yeah. It's really engaging. I'm really, yeah. and I think of that way of like, even, um, like cooking, sometimes I'm cooking a meal and it's very playful and it's interesting mm-hmm. and I'm challenged by the recipe. And then other times it's just drudgery calories. We've got to eat. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I, I know, I think just me maybe giving these examples of like where I find places of play that aren't what you're describing of like, Hey everybody, let's do karaoke or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But even if we talk about cooking in the spectrum of cooking, like I, I'm going to take a gander that you're a very detail oriented player between like loving the workbooks, loving coaching, like kind of in loving recipes, right. Mm -hmm. That, um, and that, that may be something that is not that is resonant to your style of play versus somebody else who is gets no joy out of recipes and needs to learn like more creative cooking right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that one of the things that's like I think is so cool about play and I think what helps people understand play a little bit is that our play is like it's like a blueprint it is us right it is continuous throughout our lifetime how it gets expressed changes over our lifetime. Mm. So if you are a detail oriented, like kind of style player here, you were probably a detail oriented style player as a kid, Mm -hmm. right? That there was things like, like really well thought out, deep creative scenes versus somebody who was messy painting. Right. And so this is like, I think what I love about helping adults understand is that like, this part of them is not gone. Mm-hmm. It's not inaccessible. It is like there, it is waiting. It's when we reconnect with play, it's like, Oh God, thank you so much for coming home to me. Mm-hmm. It is this like incredible sense of like reconnecting with like our core humanness yeah. in this like very nourishing, invigorating and enlivening way that then just feeds on itself. Because like once we hit that play bone, we mm-hmm. want more mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with like playing. Yeah. Like finding play in all the everyday ways of our life. For sure. One person's play isn't going to look like someone else's necessarily. Yeah. yeah. It's just who we are and how we express our, ourselves and our bodies and what they need. And yeah, as you were talking, I was like thinking of little girl Darlene and I was like, no, I don't know if she really like created complex scenes. Yeah. I, I was just much more about my body and, oh, interesting. Yeah. And like other forms of play besides hanging out in my brain are really like hiking, paddle boarding, being yeah. in nature. And I just think I've been doing a little bit of internal family systems with myself, which mm-hmm. I'm not going to derail. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, Look no it worries. up. IFS. But I recently discovered that part of me, like the little playful person. And she's just in a tree and it's yeah. just like she's climbing trees and, and being in her own head playing playful, yeah. you know? So I was thinking as you're talking, I was like, no, little girl darling was like playing outside mm-hmm. and in trees. And I was thinking about the time I got the most in, tr- I don't know if I, I, I was thinking we didn't get in trouble. My sister and I, 
but we were playing in the bathtub and we were playing wave and yeah. we called it wave and we would just move our bodies backward and forward in the bathtub and it would create a wave and we could yeah. see it. And then there would be less water. So we would turn the water on and do it again. And yeah. nowhere in our head did we know that the water was all flowing out of the bathtub into the, you know, yeah. hallway. And my mom comes in and she's like, what are you girls doing? Yeah. And we had no clue. Our, we were so absorbed in the wave Absolutely. that we didn't see where the water was going. Yeah. Um, and I was just picturing myself, a little girl, mm -hmm. me just moving back and forth in that water and just like loving yeah. that play. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. A lot of what you're referencing is like what I call in my work, kinetic play. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, let's talk about the different types of play. I'd love to hear yeah. that. Yeah. And one of the other things I just want to connect with is that you hit the nail on the head around is that play is this kind of like breaking of the self and the outside world in a way where we're not hyper observing ourselves. Like that internal witness has turned off mm. and like time kind of slows down. There's this like sense of like, ah. Uh, like containment and protection that happens in play. So what makes play really vulnerable is that we have to be trusting that there's there's enough safety within our internal system and in the external system to hold us in this state. Yeah, to right? lose and yourself, so, you have to feel safe, like to to be yeah. in in immersed in one thing. Mm -hmm. um, that's why like sleep, I always think about sleep, how vulnerable it is mm -hmm. and how much we have mm -hmm. to feel safe in order to actually yeah. fall asleep because otherwise we're going to stay vigilant to protect ourselves. Yeah. And so then that vigilance comes in and play for sure. I could see that. Yeah. And it's interesting because sleep and play are both actually blended states in the nervous system. So play is a blended state of the fight and flight and the ventral state mm -hmm. um, where that's part of why play is this activated, like I'm like, like, try me. Let's do this. Let's rumble, right? It's got that feel to it, but it feels like safe and connected and fun, mm. right? So there is this blending of like this bring it on feel yeah, that we yeah. feel in a, that fight mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways to talk about play. Stuart Brown talks about eight play personalities. And I work a lot with that in my work um, where there is, stuff like directorial play for people who love to plan and execute things. There's things like kinetic play who, and I'm a kinetic player. Like I always am talking with my hands because story moves like through me and kinetic is about like the experience of the body. Like competitors love rules. It's not actually about winning. It's about like, Oh, give me a set of rules and let me see how much I can like get done within this set of rules. Right. We have explorers who are really like, interested in like depth and width we have things like collectors where they're seeking out that next best thing we have jokers who are humorous and want to bring vibrancy to we have storytellers so there's different angles of play we have people who love ritual play there's also i think one of the things i think is really powerful when i talk with parents and moms is understanding that some people really thrive as solo players some people thrive as parallel players and some people like thrive as collaborative players. And we want to be able to do all of those in the connective spectrum, but we all have a place that feels easiest on us. And I think reigniting play for adults is really about finding that 
what is the lowest hanging fruit? What is the easiest way for me to reaccess this? And so understanding that play has so many different ways that we can look at it and work with it to help us reconnect to these organic strengths and like curiosities and loves that live within us. Yeah. When you say low hanging fruit, like, what do you mean by that? Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah what that's do you a mean great question. That? Play cannot be so risky that it doesn't invoke curiosity and fun. If I am working with a client and we're working towards a very specific goal, like I want to feel more connected with my kids. That may not actually be where we start our play. If that is the thing they're really struggling in, we actually want to start playing with connection in a much easier and less risky space. Because I think parenting is one of the scariest things we can do. <laughs> like it is so terrifying to be mm -hmm. a parent, mm -hmm. right? And there's so much external pressure. There is so much powerlessness. There's, it's so amazing and also so scary. It doesn't sound all that playful based on how you're describing it, right? Like it's like kind of the opposite in some, it, it can feel really heavy and hard and restrictive and all of these things that yeah. it's like, yeah, we're like, oh, we want to be more playful. And I'm like, uh, well, there's a lot of things that have to go and play in into get, place to make yeah. parenting a place of play. Yeah. But I do think that parenting is a place of play. You know, I when love I think it. I personally have found, I think I have a natural tendency towards play. I don't know. I really like, um, very playful in all parts of my life. And I, I want to talk about like the toddler thing, but I've, I've liked play being, being with my kids and finding yeah. little, little things that make it fun and whatever, all those yeah. eight things that you described kind yeah. of can see those in my play, in my parenting, yeah. but we have to work towards that feeling of safety and that yeah. feeling of connected with ourselves. I was thinking mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. But also differentiating play from a behavior versus an experience because play is not a behavior. It's an mm -hmm. experience within oneself, right? Well, it is an action verb. Um, yeah. I mean, it like no. actually is, but I think you're talking about it in a way that's also allowing us to see it from a more holistic lens. It is an action verb, but it also, but it's more of an experiential verb. It is like to be interested. Mm -hmm. It is mm -hmm. to be engaged. Mm -hmm. Right. And when we are interested and engaged in something that then carries into action, mm -hmm. but it is to engage with something with interest and enjoyment. When we talk about play, understanding play as a nervous system state over a behavior, because again, I could, we could all agree that we all love dancing and I could mm -hmm. be like, oh my God, that's great. I'm going to put on my favorite song and we're all going to have so much fun dancing. And you may actually hate my song because I love metal. Right. And you're like, well, that wasn't fun for me at all. Right. And so then uh -huh. again, like understanding that play is an experience for somebody of being engaged and interested. And it's not do this because then you will be playing. It's not like something we can check a box about. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so when we talk about like if, if I'm working with a client whose goal, long term goal is like, I want to feel more playful and connected with my kids. Mm -hmm. Right. I want to feel more playful and connected in my experience as a parent. We may not start right there because that's where they're stuck, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That And that's a signal that like, it's a little bit too high of a place for us to work with risk and contingency testing. So we may actually start with like, what do you know about being connected? What did you connect with when you were a, a kid, right? So maybe 
let's connect with the color blue while you, if your favorite color is blue, let's connect with the color blue while you're at the grocery store today. How many blue things can you see today? And what this does is it teaches a practice of noticing. It teaches a practice of curiosity, which then was like, how many times can you hear your kid say we today? So it carries over to then being able to play in the parenting place. But when we connect people to their, or, to their organic play and finding that low hanging fruit that teaches them again, those, that, those skills that are behind play, that engagement, that curiosity, that enjoyment, mm-hmm. it then will trickle in to this places that we feel stuck. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense around yeah, like kind of yeah. what it means to like to kind of go after the low hanging fruit? Yeah. Yeah. Just tapping into something that's small and easy that feels like we can kind of do it in a, as a practice. Yeah. When my sensory overwhelm, like is high in my house, like some of the things that I've tapped into myself are as a kinetic person are like, like we'll push my hands together really, really, really hard and then go right? Like kind of coming back into that feeling of kinetic play that helps me then be a calmer, more connected and show up in the world. But I did that through self-exploration of what brings my body enjoyment, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? But that intervention wouldn't work for somebody necessarily who's not a kinetic player. Mm. If we had somebody who was more in that directorial style play, I might be like, Hey, can you reorganize your spices for a couple minutes here? Mm-hmm. Right. Try them color ordered, try them alphabetical. And that may give them that sense of like, yeah. Yeah. Right. I have this tool that I teach often on the podcast and in my programs called the pause break. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, resetting your body, resetting your mind. And in the list, there's like 40 different ways to reset your body. And they, I've never thought about it through the lens of play, but they are all like, you have to try them out and see which actually activates for you. And some of them are movement like that. Some of them are straightening. Some of them are just very different modalities Mm -hmm. because yeah, we are what soothes us, what we connect to, what feels good and yummy is different for every, not every person, but like we, there are different things that connect to different people. Yeah. And yeah. So we have to try out different ideas. Yeah. And I think understanding that play is this place we can use as like in self-regulating and like kind of that like symptom management of the moment um, that calms us. And then it is also this practice of self-expression. Like now that I am feeling better, what does it mean to step into the world as a fuller and more embodied version of myself? You know, Mm -hmm. I talk often about, it feels like a lot of my clients are more comfortable taking like three deep breaths, like as a practice. But if I hand them a blank place of paper and I'm like, do whatever you want on it. <laughs> and they're like, uh, what, mm-hmm. you know? And so there's this practice that play is again, this thing that we can use to self-regulate and to co-regulate. And it is also this practice of what it means to be a more liberated and expressive and authentic version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that it has this kind of spectrum style feel to it. And kind of when we find our play style, we're able to tap into it in this like very full exploration of what it means to be of, to use it, to live in our everyday, but also to create a world that is 
more aligned mm-hmm. for us. Yes. Yeah. Like what, how do we want to feel? How do we want our life to, you know, do we want to feel yeah. joy? Do we want to feel connected? Do we want to feel uh, peace? Like those kinds of things using play and, and embodying yeah. plays like a vehicle towards yeah what we want in our lives. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you like, what, what do you see as obstacles? Like I'm thinking of um, maybe over identifying with like being on time or something like yeah. really, really practical things that or not. It doesn't have to be practical, whatever you think. But I was just thinking of like, what are some of the obstacles that prevent moms in particular or adults from tapping into play? Like, is it we're feeling busy? We're feeling overwhelmed. We're feeling I don't know what. Yeah. I mean, I think for the most, I think the biggest thing I see is expectations that we have on ourselves and expectations we feel from others, right? Mm -hmm. That I think these are like, and that's a very, very broad answer, right? But it is a stress, like it is stress that pushes the body down. This can, and this being really about like how we expect things to go. And when we feel into like, oh, I shouldn't do this, right? Like, so oftentimes it is what I call like a, the trapped storyteller uh, in a way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So if we're saying like, I should be this way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, where did that story come from? Mm-hmm. What if you weren't always that way? Right. I should always be on time. Mm-hmm. Right. Like why? Right. Like, let's explore that story because that's a story that's what I call very thin, Let's get curious about what it would mean to be late. What is it? What's the story you tell yourself? And if you are late, what's the story you think others have about you if you're late? Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that we really can feel into is when we feel this system of pressure and asking ourselves, like, what are the expectations I'm holding of myself or that I I feel people are holding of me in this moment? Mm -hmm. And how can I kind of give myself a little space here? Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's yeah. a great, like kind of that stop and pause feel from your work. Yeah. I'm just thinking of like myself, like when I feel pressure, um, I have like a, a lot of times I have this thought, like I'm behind. Yeah. Um, and it's all made up anyway. Like I made up, I work for myself. I made up the deadlines. They're all made yeah. up. Um, I'm not actually behind, but you know, even if I'm getting curious about the story and I, and I get, a little bit of room. I wonder if you could help us, like, how do I gamify it or playify it or whatever, like that to-do list feeling or, cause sometimes there's just things to do. And I, I personally do try to find little ways that I can make it a little more fun for me or a little more enjoyable. Like, and what does that look like for me? It looks like maybe turning on some music. Mm -hmm. It maybe looks like doing a shimmy shake with my body, you know, kind of, whatever. I kind of do some things and then I'm like, all right, let's go. And then I have some of that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think of it as playful energy within me of like, how much can I tackle? Or I don't know. It's just in my head. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so like the things you're naming are you're tapping kind of naturally into kinetic, right? Like you're shaking, mm -hmm. right? Like you're putting some music on, like, and some people may, it may actually feel fun for them to organize their to-do list. You know, like I have tons of, you know, in that kind of executive functioning style way, like where you put a number, like how long does each one of these tasks take? Mm -hmm. Right. And that organization itself feels fun. 
for some or color color coded, or you know, color or coded, stickers. Right? I see some of yeah, some of my clients. Um, and- some I have people who set a timer. They're like, how many tasks can I get done in twenty minutes? Right, that's mm-hmm. a competitor. Mm-hmm. Right, that's a competitor that's gamifying their to do list. You can engage in a storyteller in this. Like, I'm going to be the main character. She was up against the clock with like time. And the time the time of the day was running out. She had so much to do. She never thought she would get it done. But then look at her coming and feeling ignited by her desire to feel freedom at the end of the day, right? Like you can kind of pull yourself into that like Mm -hmm. main character story if that's your, like, if that's your vibe, right? So like, this is about again, like what pulls you in, but play has to be kind of self-motivated. Consistency is not something we can go after. It's a byproduct of doing things we enjoy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right like I think one of the things that's unique about being a parent is that we do always have a to-do list and as kids it was like when you're done with your chores you can play as an adult we are never done with our chores <laughs> we are never done with our chores and so mm-hmm. we have to be the adult in our own bodies that say that's good enough for now yeah I, right? I often will have Shrek Shrek tells donkey that'll do donkey That'll do. He has this little phrase and I will often like, I have the gif of it or whatever. Like I'll pull it up sometimes and like rewatch it in my, for myself, because I do sort of need somebody me to say, Hey, good job. You've done enough. Like you can stop. Yeah. Yeah. And we want to feel that sense of self-leadership in our life, Mm -hmm. you know, that we feel in control of the way that we are expending time and energy, you know, because at the end of the day, this is all we have is time and energy. Yeah. We want to use that in a way that is meaningful to us so that we feel more fulfilled in our lives and we can offer a a more fulfilled version of ourselves to our kids. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think by engaging in playfulness, like learning your own inherent ways of playing you learn in like organically what it means to manage your time, to protect time, to feel embodied, to feel purpose and meaning in like what you're doing right there. And it makes it easier to tap into that experience with your kids, to prioritize that and not in this like top down, I'm going to do this thing, but it's like almost like it's easier to just get called into those moments because you're like, ah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I know what it's like to sit here with my kid because I know what it's like to also sit in a song yeah. and it becomes this more like flexible and organic way of learning about how to use your time and energy in ways that are. Yeah. In your, ter- on your terms. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, the thing is, there are the expectations. We can evaluate those. Like, why do I think it's important to be on time? Why do I care that? I don't know. We only eat brown rice, not anything, not ever anything. Yeah. Like, whatever, whatever the things are, we have our rules in our head. So some of them we might decide like, nope, this is my rule and I want to keep it. It's important to me. Like, great. How do you make that more enjoyable? Yeah. If you're going to stick to your own boundary or whatever you've decided is valuable and important, maybe you've put aside social expectations and you're all the stories and you're like, nope, this is what I care about. Great. It doesn't have to be drudgery. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also like a lot of the time when we set those boundaries and those expectations is really exploring like the stories behind them. Right. Mm-hmm. So like I work a lot with people on time 
Like yeah. that, I think that is a universally stressful thing. Mm-hmm. So if we have a value of being on time, like, is that, how is that connected to like our values versus our fear of acceptance? Are we willing to sacrifice being on time if it means having a more connected experience to get there? Yeah. yeah, yeah or yeah. is that the bottom line? And this is a place again, that you kind of get to maybe you want to learn to be a little bit less rigid with time. Mm-hmm. And we get to explore like where, where can we play with rigidity, time management, but maybe you also want to learn to be more rigid with time. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, then we get to play with like building rigidity with time, you know, like I would encourage more competition, like do your dishes in two minutes and that's mm-hmm. it. You're mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. Right. Like mm-hmm. learn, compete with time in a way mm-hmm. versus if you have somebody who's really rigid with time, it may be more about like set the timer for five minutes and do whatever you want. You cannot mm-hmm. adult, <laughs> uh-huh. you cannot adult, mm-hmm. right? But see what, see what it means to slow, have a slower clock experience, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and not just go on your phone. Yeah. You can't like... adult, you can't go on the phone. <laughs> Cause sometimes I think when I think, especially as moms, when we have like snippets like that, where mm-hmm you know, maybe we have some snippets of time. We're not quite sure even how to engage with ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, we're tired. We're just want to zone out and yeah. it could be an opportunity actually to connect with yourself and totally. be more playful in whatever yeah. way that is. Yeah. One of my like favorite intake questions I like do with people often is like, if I gave you a free day and yeah. there was, you knew your kids were safe, everything your house was taken care of. Like you, there was a body double of you in the home, mm-hmm. all boxes checked. Everything's good. And there's a carbon copy of you that has mm-hmm. a free day. Yeah. What would you do with it? You know? Mm-hmm. And I think so many moms are like, Whoa, most right? that, I that ask that to you a lot. And some will say I would sleep all day. And I think mm-hmm. that's very interesting. I'm like, Oh, well we need to work on that. Like Mm-hmm. The level of exhaustion or where you're, what's happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some are like, I would binge watch TV all day. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's just kind of, you can see the answers are, there's a lot of fatigue here. There's a lot of lack of spontaneity, playfulness, yeah. connectedness. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, there's so much room to work on that. And yeah, you know, I yeah. mean, if you want to watch TV all day, that's, that's fine. No one's judging you, but what else? Like, maybe you did that one day. What's next day? What like really moving that needle a little bit more of like, okay. And even like, well, what kind of TV? Yeah. yeah. Like, Mm -hmm, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, I think when people are watching like, you know, housewives shows, they're really into like the gossip and the story, right? Like that's (laughs) storytelling style TV. Mm -hmm. If they're watching planet earth, that's more of like exploratory TV, Mm -hmm. right? If they're watching something like the voice, or like a competitive show, like maybe that's a part of them that is competitive and storytelling, right? Like, um, and so even asking like, what kind of TV are you inclined towards? You know, Mm -hmm. I know like in the podcast you sent me, um, you talked about like the great British baking show. And I also love this show, right? (laughs) And like, for me, this is like storytelling. It's, it's watching storytelling. It's watching creativity. It's watching a director, like a director play, like people planning and putting things into action, but it's hilariously not very competitive. Like, (laughs) I think that's like, you know, one of the things that's funny about it is like, it's technically a competitive show, but I don't know if anybody actually cares about winning on that show very much. No, they just care about like getting to next week. Right. So like your, your (laughs) clients who are answering like, 
you know, like, even if you're like, what kind of TV would you watch all day? Like mm -hmm. you can explore what kind of TV it is to get yeah, a yeah. hint of like what it is they are seeking or, into. Or, yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah. What they're mm -hmm. tapping into. Right. Mm -hmm. If they're sleeping all day is like, tell me about the bed you're sleeping in. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, how do you, how would you know you've had enough sleep? You can play with like sensory stuff and imagination stuff. So um, much. So great. What kind of room, like build me your throne. What would your room be like surrounded in to get a sense of, again, like where their body and imagination goes? Yeah. It's so beautiful. I love it. I love like what you're bringing to the world and all of that. Is there anything last takeaways you want to give to us as we, as we wrap, like things that you want, you'd want to say or tell people? If you're feeling stuck, that is super normal. The hardest step is the first step. As soon as you start to connect with your play bone, it will feed itself. And so just staying open and staying curious and staying brave in this reconnecting with your playful self, you'll mm -hmm. find it. Yeah, that's so, so true. Um, okay. So how can people find you? Cause they're going to want yeah. to know more about you. They're going to learn from you. They're going to be like, TJ's amazing. Tell me everything. Yeah. I am on the playful revolution is my company. Um, you can find me on the playfulrevolution.com. You can find me on Instagram. I do really short style coaching, only kind of two little sessions. And it's really to help jumpstart uh, play. And I work with people who are in the freeze of their nervous system and or are ready to like jumpstart play. So if you're like, I don't know where to start, that's a great place to work with me. And you're like, I'm ready to go. That's a great place to work <laughs> with me. And, but my email list is really fun because I send out play prompts and all these and like interpretive dance videos of me <laughs> and all this weird, fun, educational stuff that is just my musings and wanderings through the world. So that's also a fun place to kind of connect more. Okay. That's great. Like yeah. So you have like a week, in. weekly newsletter or something like that you send out and it's whenever the wind blows me, but yes. Okay. <laughs> so some sort of frequency that yeah. people can connect and get tips yeah. and ideas from you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Okay, so The Playful Revolution, and yeah. that's on Instagram, and then also on your website. And then yeah. you can sign up. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here, helping You're us welcome. become calm and playful mamas and just yeah. ta tapping into our own connected, playful self. Yeah, yeah definitely. Thank you so much for having me and, you know, and bringing this kind of work out to the world. I love seeing women feel more capable in their being. Yeah, I, I love it. Thank it. you. 